Good evening, Meat Suits and Meat Dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 103, which is, as you know, the smallest number that requires 18 letters to spell out in English. Wow. Speaking of things that took more explanation than I was hoping, this week uh, <laughs> we're talking about The Hunger Games, the first book in the Hunger Games trilogy by Susan Collins. This book is also known by its other title, The Lottery, Only Longer. Uh, we're reading the book in two parts. So this week, we are just talking about the first half of the book. You can read along with us by going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep. If you go to that address and sign up for a free trial of Audible's book a month subscription, you get to keep a free audiobook, which you could use for this one. And normally in this segment, we would tell you don't, but you could because you might like it. And you could also use it for any other book. And you support our show, which is important. And you keep the book and the support of our show, even if you cancel your trial before it charges you anything. And if you do get the audiobook, we're reading five and a half hours. Also, I want to say that this book got 80 woot woots on read-weep.com. So if you want to suggest a topic for us to read, or if you want to woot woot other people's suggestions, go to read-weep.com slash suggest. I am your host of the show. My name is Alex Falcone. And uh, I'm going to take a quick second here to uh, pimp another podcast that I do. Uh, many of you probably know that I'm a stand-up and an improv comedian because I talk about it all the time. But uh, I'm working on a new show now with another comic called The Mentorist, where we talk about our experiences in the comedy world. He's been doing comedy for 25 years. I've been doing it for a year and a half. And so we, he gives me comedy advice. And we talk about what it's like to be on rung one and rung like seven on the comedy ladder. So if you care at all about the comedy business or businesses in general, or if you care about me, you should go to mentoristpodcast.com or search for mentorist on iTunes. Also, I should say that that other podcast is just like a baby born to two volleyball player parents. It's going to be huge someday. (laughs) So you should check it out now. All right. That's enough about me. I have a great panel with me. Way more interesting than I am. And I appreciate you indulging me. First up. He'd love to teach you how to kill other children, but he's just too wasted in Northern California. It's Ezra Fox. I'm comic relief. I'm comic relief. I fell off the stage. You're a sad comic relief. Tears of the drunk clown. Are you like tragic relief? Is that possible? (laughs) Tragic comedy relief? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, here's the wacky guy who killed 23 people a couple of years ago and hasn't turned out that well for him. (laughs) I mean, I like the idea that I can throw up on people that we don't like. Yeah. I also like the idea that he's comic relief, and they never mention the fact that he's dealing with the fact that he has 23 people's blood on his hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hold on. He only had to kill one person. The rest could have, like, died from killing each other. Or, you know, No, when you kill somebody, you get all their kills. Yeah, it's like Pokemon. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> not Pokemon Tragic works. misunderstanding of Pokemon, my friend. <laughs> oh, Pikachu has so much blood on his hands. <laughs> He's drunk all the time. <laughs> also joining us today, he's been in love with you since first grade, and he's shown it by giving you a loaf of dirty bread and then never making eye contact again. In Seattle, Washington, it's Chris Smith. Hey, I'm pretty strong, and I like bread. I also masturbate to the main character at night. <laughs> that was not in my version. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I read the porn parody version, the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also joining us today, he's a great hunter, a decent runner, and a mediocre fire model. <laughs> also in Seattle, it's Matt Alibadi. May the odds be forever in your favor. <laughs> forever in your favor. <laughs> forever in your favor. <laughs> Getting more high status as we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
All right, Chris, since no one else... Actually, everyone's probably read this. Since everybody's already read this book, we need you to summarize very hard for the one person who hasn't in the style of a futuristic propaganda reel. You got it. Extra, extra, right here on your hologram news. It is a dystopian future where the rich and powerful rule over the poor and weak in what used to be called America. Katniss, a 16-year-old girl from Appalachia, now called District 12, tries desperately to get by and provide for her mother and younger sister. But wait! This all changes when Katniss's sister is chosen to be District 12's female representative for the yearly Hunger Games, in which children from all across the country are made to fight in gladiatorial combat for sport and our amusement. Katniss nobly volunteers herself in her sister's stead, and along with Peta, a humble baker's son, they are whisked off to the capital under the drunken guise of Hamish, a former champion who is now their mentor. Knowing that they are horribly outmatched in skill and equipment by the more wealthy districts, Katniss and Peta focus on keeping a low profile in the lead-up to the Hunger Games, but this is made more difficult by Cinna, the fashion designer who dresses them in fire for their opening ceremony entrance. <laughs> Once the games start, it's Katniss's goal to be the last one standing. She has to contend with the bigger, stronger tributes from the other districts who have banded together to kill the weaker ones first, and also the whims of the game makers who can alter the environment at will to keep it from getting boring for the audience. The odds are not in her favor. How will she survive? I don't know. Because <laughs> we only read half of it. Yeah, we only read half. And that's the book. And that's about it. It also occurred to me when you were talking about the name of this country is Pan Am now. Oh, yeah. And so, given what we learned from the airline, this future won't be around very long. There'll yeah. be a grizzly crash, and then it'll have a PR disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it'll probably go to war with, like, New Coke or something like that, and they'll both fizzle out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it fizzle. New Coke-topia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so now it's time. Uh, this is going to be a little bit weird because, uh, we, as we discussed backstage, some of us may have liked this book more than uh, usual. Not a huge surprise, given that most of the world likes this book, and unlike Twilight, adults also like it. So this is going to be a little bit odd, but we're still going to do it in the stru- structure of a compliment sandwich. So, as usual, we do start and end with a compliment because it makes us sound like legitimate criticism. And we'll still do some hates in the middle, but feel free to talk about what you actually like at that point as well. So, Matt... As the guest, you have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment. What do you prefer? I'll go last. Excellent. Chris, you will go first today. So this book gives some really good advice to people of all ages, which is don't resist your stylist. All right. (laughs) (laughs) She goes in there, you know, being a girl from Appalachia. She's never shaved her legs. She's never plucked her eyebrows. She's never received a mani-pedi or a facial. She's like, this might suck, but you know what? I'm just going to do it. And she's all the better for it. And then when it comes to style, forget it. You know, these capital guys have got it going on. And they make her the toast <laughs> of the town. So, you know what? Just just, just believe, bitch. <laughs> There's a less catty way, which is trust experts that I like. But I like mine better. Well, I mean, experts <laughs> with fire, I think, is sort of the place I've yeah. Trust anybody who's trying to change who you are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I, I thank this book for that. Ezra, what's your compliment? Well, as I was telling our Twitter follower, uh, Sean Campbell, this is great because this is actually the um, Miss Congeniality Battle Royale mashup that I was waiting for all these years. Uh, <laughs> if you want about half of She's All That and half of uh, Mad Max? Schwarzenegger's The Running Man, yeah. you've got it. <laughs> you know, I was reading the Wikipedia page on this book, and apparently <laughs> the actual way that Susan Collins came up with this book was she was channel surfing, and two channels next to each other were a reality show and the Iraq war. And she started flipping back and forth between them. And she, and in her mind, she's like, Ooh, what if they were combined? She was actually trying to do a pop culture mashup, just not the one you guessed. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> we should try to do this more. This, this totally sold like hotcakes. I, I yeah. really like your idea, too. I, you're, yeah. I was just thinking, like, I killed that third to last guy before I really knew you. Before I really knew myself. <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. with blood on his hands. Yeah, she takes off her glasses and then stabs someone with the glasses. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no spoilers, you guys. I have not finished Miss Congeniality. <laughs> I don't know how that movie ends. I, I, I can't say that I remember what happens in the end of that movie. Everybody's almost done with Miss Congeniality. Ninety <laughs> percent the way through that movie. All right, my major compliment is this. I really like the pageantry at the beginning of like taking these 24 strangers from around the world and getting them, like having us meet them in this interview and the stylus and everything. And then I actually like the gamesmanship of the battle, the, the strategy aspect gets my strategy gamesman brain going. And I like both of those things. So I think we should actually do this. Pardon? You should, we should actually have a battle royale of our young people. We should actually get 24 kids from around the country and make them fight to the death in the woods somewhere. Okay. Maybe we could do it with duct tape swords. You're not responding the way I'd hoped, so maybe uh, <laughs> just have a boff royale. I don't know. Oh, man, all the duct tape axes are in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> make them go to the middle together. <laughs> Whatever. I just, I don't know if she sold it to me. I was like, I, I mean, it's gross and horrifying, but if I was there, I might actually, like... I might get into this. I mean, the death thing at the end is a little unsightly, but you know, good on this book for not you know dwelling on the, the killing so much. Like, really? Katniss is kind of a badass, and she's pretty much hardened against death. Yeah. Mostly from the get-go. Yeah, the fuck we... that thing is that she talks about it being so horrible, but she also knows everything about it. Yeah. Like, everybody in that universe, just, like, outside of their attitude towards the Hunger Games, they are avid fans of the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> They do say that it's like it's illegal not to watch. You're required by law to watch, but I can sit through a lot of things and zone out and not have her like stats knowledge. Yeah, no. I mean, like I've watched all of the Ken Burns Civil War documentary. I don't know shit about the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be really on board with this to like have internalized it. Don't spoil the ending of that one. I've only watched the first three quarters of Civil War. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Ooh, don't tell him about Lincoln. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Matt, it's your turn. What's your major compliment? Okay, and this might be like a backhanded compliment, but I really liked how if you wanted to read uh, allegory into it politically, it works both ways. Like okay. if you wanted it to be about states' rights, it can totally be about states' <laughs> rights for you. Like it can have this whole like, you know, suppression of states' freedoms and shit. And like, I do suspect that somebody sat down to write young adult fantasy was like, I think this should really be about federalist versus states' <laughs> rights. That's what these well, kids need more of. Well, there's that whole bit in the beginning where they're talking about how they basically suppress them with welfare. <laughs> like, they make them reliant on, like, the federal welfare. <laughs> yeah. And that, like, that's what makes them weak. But it can also be, like, a really liberal sort of apocalypse. It can have <laughs> like it can it can be the eco apocalypse if you want yeah and like her mom is like a apothecary some hippie bullshit like that it can work any way you want <laughs> so much hippie bullshit in shakespeare <laughs> yeah my mom's like an herbal healer or something i could yeah, yeah. i could see my stepmom being really into that or something <laughs> All right, well, let's get into that then. It sounds like we're starting on the verge of hatefulness. So let's play our uh, hate game today. It's called Hates in the Paints. H- Hates in the Pants. Oh, like ants? This name was another hate title by Bill Sarnansky, but we're starting to stretch. Like Ants in my Pants. Is that a game? Or is that ants just... Ants in the Pants. Yeah, Ants in the Pants. Something used to torment people. 
<laughs> well, certainly some people get ants in their pants as a form of torment, but not all of them. Oh, okay. Well played. Anyway, I would just like to point out that Bill Sarnansky is much more brilliant than I am with this, and he had three great ones, and then they start to the stretch. So, <laughs> But at least now I can blame it on somebody else. Anyway, so what have you got in any order, any speed, things that you hated about this book? Uh, I got one. Yeah. As much as I like the book, at one point they're making light of uh, diabetes and obesity. They're mocking Peter's skill with uh, frosting and saying, like, oh, yeah, sure, death by cake frosting. No, that shit's real. That, that, that's that's real. Buttercream is no joke, my friends. <laughs> but they also looked at the bright side of diabetes, which was like, if you're ever in a battle royale and there's a giant cupcake that needs to be frosted, you'll know how to do it. Well, yeah, but you might have lost one leg already, so you'll have to crawl over there. So you already have red food dye. What up? <laughs> you are making lemonade, my friend. <laughs> Gross. Uh, here's something I hated. This book is basically just Alice Shrugged if Dagny Taggart won. Like, this is like Alice Shrugged 2. The capital is located in the Rockies. It's only accessible by trains. Like the Alice Shrugged movie, if you're interested in how we got to this weird apocalyptic future, she can settle it in one sentence. Fire, oceans, and rebellion. Yeah. More like one sentence fragment. Well, I didn't read the <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Thank you. And then also uh, that these people from the capital, who some might call capitalists, abuse the people in the poorer parts of the country and don't care if they die. Atlas Shrugged, too. Back in the habit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, one of my problems with like the future that they have is that their future is basically better than most countries. <laughs> like they're they're like post-apocalyptic future. It would be if it was a country, it would be like above the halfway mark on the UN's like <laughs> index of like development. It would. All right. Well, what's at the halfway mark? Quick, buddy. Uh, I'm gonna say it's uh, someplace in Eastern Europe. Somebody look that up. <laughs> I have to be right about that. <laughs> okay. You're correct. It's the worst part of Hungary. <laughs> yes. The Hungary Games. It's the Hungary Games. <laughs> you could literally get on a bus and go to someplace worse than the post-apocalyptic future of the Hungary. Then, yeah, than even the worst district in this place that also is rather uh, wealthy. That's yeah. a good point. 23 kids die a year. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I mean, they have, like, they say that there's, like, a lot of people who die from starvation, but they still have, like, schools and shit. Like, nobody's being raped to death every day. <laughs> it's pretty good, like, all things considered. And don't, like, in the U.S. right now, don't 23 kids die a year, like, playing football and not hydrating enough in high school? Like, that... <laughs> yeah, from, like, from hazing in fraternities, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 23 years, not that bad, all things considered. Halfway somewhere between Belize, Jamaica, Angola, and Palau. <laughs> Palau! <laughs> Just the average of all those. Palau. Yeah. Or, I don't those know. Those places are much worse off, I think, probably, than the Hunger Games universe is. I'm just get, trying to get over how, like, how would you indicate you just told a really horny joke in Palau? Because they'd always think you were just saying the country's name. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the Hungary Games, Palau. <laughs> That's a first world problem, though, it turns out. Is your country sounds kind of like a rim shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the starving people of Badumcha. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes hate us, and I made myself so easy to love. Guys, we have with us a very special guest. Uh, we have Gabby Moskowitz from the awesome food blog Broke Ass Gourmet, and Gabby is just pretty much excellent at 
making things taste awesome despite being on a budget. So since we are reading the Hunger Games, we thought we could maybe have her talk to us a little bit about you know what you do in a post-apocalyptic battle royale situation when you don't have a lot of food at your disposal, don't have a lot of money, but you still want a good filling meal you know to power through the you know death games. If anyone has any questions about you know food pairings that came up in the book, just throw them at Gabby to see what uh, she can tell us. Yeah, great. Since uh, being broke is one of your specialties, but being dehydrated is not, I don't know if this is really up your alley, but I just want to know, what would you do for a water pairing, I guess, for when you're sucking the bone marrow out of a bunny leg? You know, when it comes to water, safety is very important. And I actually really enjoy the flavor of iodine. And (laughs) both iodine and marrow have something called umami, (laughs) which is a um, it's a Japanese word. And I believe it literally translates to delicious. But it's, it's essentially a savory, a deeply savory flavor. You find it in mushrooms and asparagus and um, Mm -hmm. Parmesan. And I would go with typical old, you know, safe iodined water mm-hmm. Yum. to really draw out the umami flavors of bone marrow, for sure. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, a uh, question. At, at one point, uh, a character is said to have you know, gone crazy and sort of was trying to eat the hearts of his enemies after he killed them. Mm-hmm. Um, what goes well with the hearts of your enemies? How do you pair that? Well, you know, it's it's interesting you ask that because hearts and any sort of awful right now are very trendy. You actually see a lot of grilled hearts on um, menus all over. Oh, you can grill it. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think there's something extra delicious about an enemy's heart, especially if it's still beating, because, you know, you get to sort of taste not only that deep meaty flavor of the heart but also victory (laughs) which is a japanese word which literally translates to victory (laughs) (laughs) precisely well well, a question on that because you know if it's revenge that's supposed to be served cold so Mm -hmm. uh, is this are you gonna heat this up are you gonna sear it uh you know is a carpaccio kind of situation Mm, you know um i would go more um in ice pop direction if we're gonna go cold Wow. You know, here's what I would do. I would get creative. I would call it hearts on a steak. And mm. and that's S-T-A-K-E. And of I would uh-huh. literally pierce the hearts using like a wooden steak and chill them and serve them maybe with some sort of dipping sauce. Mm. Wow, that is that sounds delicious and awful. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gabby, do you have like a, a sub seven dollar wine pairing for victory or for hearts on a steak? Sub seven dollars. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is uh, like a very cheap Merlot. Okay, I would go with anything from Barefoot. Is a is a a wine brand, and their stuff tends to run usually below. It's, you know, four ninety nine or something like that for a, a typical bottle. And I just think that the image of a dirty foot really goes well with the image of, you know, a freshly ripped enemy's heart. So yeah. especially when it's yeah. a child's heart, something like that. Probably not a Merlot. I might go a little bit bigger, maybe a nice cab. Now, I know that revenge is also sweet. Do, do cabs pair well with uh, very sweet dishes? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, they do. And when um, something is sweet, you don't necessarily want to go with an extra sweet wine. You might you might want to balance. Um, so I would say a cab, you know, maybe um, maybe even a Pinot. 
I know Barefoot makes a Pinot. You can mm. never go wrong with two buck check either, especially when the world's about to end. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you think about squirrel? Squirrel. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, is this a food that could really you know, leap over into the mainstream, I guess? You know, okay, here's, here's, here's the way I like to think about it. Right now, we live in, like, this very hipster-driven world where there are all these things being done ironically. Mm-hmm. And so I truly, honestly believe, from the bottom of my heart, that if squirrel is served as some sort of, like, avant-garde, ironic dish that people will absolutely buy it and eat it. You think that would take off? I think it really could. <laughs> there was a hot dog place near where I lived in Chicago, anecdotally, that did actually have, like, squirrel hot dog. Yeah. As, like, the mainstay of its menu. With, like, real. roast chestnuts yeah. on the side. and. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever try it? Uh, no, it was gross. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds gross, too. They're rodents. They're totally yeah. rodents. But you know what? There are countries where people eat guinea pig. Like, um, like Palau, for example. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Gabby, I have one more question. It's kind of a sure. Rosetto Casper question. I have pine needles. I have some wild mushrooms. And I have some rabbit that I just killed with somebody else's forearm bone. Okay. And you have, and you have some poison <laughs> berries. And I have some poison berries. What can I make with that? Okay. So, to me, these ingredients scream braising. So okay. <laughs> my guess is that you don't have much to work with in terms of pots and pans. Am I correct? Sure. You have probably a sheet of plastic, a knife, yeah. uh, a backpack, a sleeping bag, and there is an army of 18-year-olds walking around trying to kill you. Yeah, but you have some rocks and stuff. You could definitely Yeah, yeah, some. there are rocks. I, I just wanted to mention the people trying to kill you because brazing sounds like it's a time-consuming event. Okay, wait, back up. So you have rocks. Okay, that's very yeah. important. So what you're going to do is you're going to... First, you're going to skin the rabbit with your knife okay. and remove the innards and set those aside because you'll use them later. Oh. Um, and then what you're going to do is place the rabbit's flesh on top of um, of sheet of plastic and then fold the sheet over so that the um, rabbit is sandwiched between layers of plastic. With you? And okay. you're, you're going to take the rock and like a mallet, you're going to flatten... Like as if you were making veal scallopine, you're gonna um, really thin out the rabbit, okay? Yeah. Gotcha. And yeah. So how traumatic should this be at this time? I guess. Like... <laughs> when when you're making veal scallopine, are you also crying, or is that a specialty of this dish? Well, actually, if you're crying, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world because <laughs> well, the one thing you don't have is it's salt. salt. Yeah. So... <laughs> Actually, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. The crying is going to be great because what you don't have heat to work with. So the tears, the um, the salt water is going to actually work as a pickling agent to <laughs> get the rabbit to a point that it's, you know, at least cooked enough that you're probably not going to contract, you know, any sort of salmonella from it. And then what you're going to do is is use the rock to crush the pine needles to release their oils and you're also going to grind the berries together and you're going to make kind of a chutney i guess you could call it and um you're going to smear that all over the inside of the um of the flattened rabbit and then what you'll do is start at the bottom and roll it up tightly and so it's going to look like sort of a big cylinder and then if you take that knife that you mentioned and yep. slice the cylinder, you're going to have these really pretty little spirals. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's like some sushi. Yeah. And, you know, 
eat them like cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Done. Delicious. And uh, I, I'm just going to add, since you might, you, you, you just missed one little step, which was do all of this in the tree so that the boys don't kill you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, aside from the berries being poison, that sounds delicious. Yeah, that was sort of a trick question about the poison berries. Sorry about that. Oh, no. It's all right. I mean, this is sort of a dire situation, so I kind of think that poison berries are the least of your concerns at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and plus, if anyone steals your food, they will die. Yeah. As a result of eating those poison berries. But they'll have a really nice last meal. Uh-huh. So Totally. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's I think that just about does it. So, uh, Gabby, why don't you do a do a quick plug about your about your blog? Tell us a little bit more about it and and why everyone should go there. Okay, great. So, Brocast Gourmet is um, basically great high end living on a budget. So it's all about making meals that you could find in a restaurant that are interesting and tasty and also made from ingredients that are easy to procure and you know using steps that are not complicated. And it's always under $20. So you should go to Broke Ask Gourmet if you are a new chef. You should go to Broke Ask Gourmet if you've never set foot in a kitchen before. You should definitely go to Broke Ask Gourmet if you've recently been laid off. <laughs> and you should definitely go to Broke Ask Gourmet if you're just looking to save some money in the kitchen. I update, I would say, almost every day. I'm working on a book right now that will be out with any luck in April of 2012. And I've got a really cool app called appetite and i do a lot of great budget recipes on that so you should definitely check out all things broke ass gourmet related get cooking and saving money awesome well thank you so much for joining us gabby that was really excellent you're very welcome thank you so much for having me it was a lot of fun this ad was required but not approved by audible We now return you to the Hunger Games beauty pageant, already in progress. And from District 11, we have Thresh. Thresh smash! Very good, Thresh. Demonstration? Would you? Okay, Katniss, you're next. I can't follow that. He's eating a table leg. Blintery! Blintery was going to be my catchphrase. Katniss, you only have to be yourself. I don't know who that is. I had to barter my sense of self for a squirrel two years ago. I guess that's worth a squirrel. You're a clever girl. Am I? I already sold my common sense for a pound of lard. Don't worry, I got you a free trial subscription to audiblepodcast.com slash weep. You get a free book that's yours to keep, even if you cancel or die in a reality TV show. You can download Robert Ludlum's Born Identity about a killer who doesn't know who he is. And from District 12, Katniss Everdeen. Did you know that a rolled up newspaper is an effective weapon? Ooh. Matt Damon. Ah. Splintery! Yay! AudiblePodcast.com slash read it and weep. We might have only seen the movie.
Okay, so so it sounds like one of the things that uh, we all have in common from this segment is that being set in the future is really weird. So for our anchor segment today, we're going to play a game called Here's Your Future. So there are a lot of things that seem pretty normal now that have a different future than we might have expected for them. So this is set, what, like 700 years later in the future? So what is the future of different things that we didn't know about? So for example, uh, I noticed that rabbits in the future, about the same shit they get now. They're still getting caught in little snares in the woods, still multiplying a lot. I expected bigger things for rabbits. Oh, shit. Kind of a washout. <laughs> Can we talk about the fucking genetically mutated animals that populate their yes. forests? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is the weirdest fucking thing. Like, when you first... I don't know. I was reading it for the first time, and I was totally on board. And one of my first flashes of, like, this book is not meant for me was, like, <laughs> like they have birds that can exactly replicate the modulation of human speech. Yeah. And both, like, sing and... <laughs> like they can sing entire human songs yep. with words. Yep. Since you've been gone. <laughs> Not good songs, but still. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's... Wouldn't they just sing flock of seagulls songs over and over again? Yeah. yeah you'd, you'd imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this sort of tips you off about maybe you know, music business of where it's going because the reason these birds got uh, you know uh, genetically engineered is because during this you know big revolution war, uh, the government wanted to have some microphone recordings of people and so they you know, engineered birds like you do yeah. to to record conversations and really like you know do not buy stock in any spy equipment i guess is what i'm trying to say <laughs> you know, clearly that's not what the future is going to be built on it's going to be genetically engineered birds yeah i mean with we, spy equipment that inside of we them already have really small recording devices but we don't have small that don't fly away that, that also don't get eaten by things or get distracted. <laughs> right. I mean, they don't start humping birds all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? Also, as is demonstrated later in the book, they have planes. Yeah. They, they can just see them. They, like, yeah. they live on the vast plane. <laughs> they can just fly over them and fucking bother. That's, that's the end of the whole strategy of involve, teaching birds how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't need to happen. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I've got a here's your future. Yeah. Seriously, Denver? Really? Here's your future, Denver. <laughs> Denver is the future? One of the flyover states gets to be the capital. Oh, God. I mean, it's not a good cruncher anymore, so they can have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's your future. Different systems of measurement. We now, in the future, will measure uh, strawberries in gallons. <laughs> you know, So I guess the strawberries either get more liquid or uh, gallons get more solid. Man, that berry's so big, it might be 0. .04 gallons. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your future clever naming schemes. The capital is called Capital. At what point do we stop honoring former government officials and just start going with naming things what they are? Yeah. These three branches of government are called Government and Government 2 and Government 3. Yeah. You're an evil, all-encompassing government organization. Surely you can hire someone in the naming department. Oh, you mean the evil naming department? Sure they have people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, branding committee at least. <laughs> yeah. Evil branding committee? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so here's your future uh, style, I guess, then. It, it's all of the same, basically, except blue lipstick on men. That That is the big change as far as, like, from all the descriptions of the blue, style. Blue, that's thing. ridiculous. It must be the future, Alex. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that pretty much does set the mood for me, actually. Blue lipstick, <laughs> trains, come on. <laughs> <laughs> also, here's your future technology. Still using televisions, yep. using trains, which are backwards. But then they also have synthetic fire, 
showers that now need troubleshooting, and a full body blow dryer, which is not come on, it's not even a future invention. You're just modifying car washes. <laughs> or or the Dyson Airblade. Yeah. yeah. We have these. It's just so Okay, here's my point, I guess, cuz you uh, you guys liked this book a little bit, right, Chris and Ez? Sure. Yeah, I did. Matt, what did you, you you liked it a little bit? I genuinely did enjoy it, yeah. Yeah, I like it enough, but my main problem is I just don't like I guess I just don't like fantasy set in the future. I, I just any any time there's a future, I get all frustrated with the, the way she's trying to make up the future and I get super distracted and that was that's the one thing that it really bugged me was like the birds why are the birds that they genetic why is there a synthetic fire why are the showers required touchscreen like <laughs> but that's your whole version of the future that's all you know yeah I mean aside from like my beefs with like talking birds and shit I got through most of it with just imagining all of like these weird inconsistencies being a result of like this really tiered class system. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like once we have like this really insanely entrenched upper urban class, then they're all they're going to do drying off wise is just step into a machine. <laughs> <laughs> like these are just all like the perverse needs of that society. This is all first person also. I mean, Katniss has been severely, severely, like, you know, food deprived and malnourished for years. We have no idea that she's seen any of this correctly. <laughs> so the, yeah. the full body dryer might have had a totally different purpose, but she just got out of the shower and stumbled into her trash can. <laughs> exactly. I mean, she could just be super unreliable and just, you know, not knowing what's going on. Yeah, did you see what that girl did to our oven? That was gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's time for the second half of our compliment sandwich. This is the minor compliment and the last nice thing you'll have to say about the first half of this book. So we're going to go in reverse order for this compliment. So, Matt, what is your minor compliment? I really like that in books that are partially for the young adult audience and partially because they're science fiction can do a lot of things like that we stopped doing in fiction in like the Victorian era. <laughs> Such as? Like, my favorite example of that is... Uh, is that her mother is one of like the female characters that is absolutely physiologically destabilized by trauma. Yes. Which is a thing that you don't see in like modern fiction at all. Just women who've seen some heavy shit and hence cannot do anything else. Like just, they're just totally <laughs> comatose. Faint all the time. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I really enjoyed like resurrecting things like that and also certain like turns of phrase, which are really great. Which I will not list now that I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> what a tease. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I do like that people just turn off. Like, like it, it was just so bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, her kids are just totally good to go. Like, having yeah. <laughs> Not affected at all by mom. Yeah. Being, like, you know, basically subbing out of her role. <laughs> Katniss is just super bad. And she's like, well, time to man up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gotta go hunting. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe she was just LARPing <laughs> Oregon Trail. <laughs> super unreliable narrator. She's playing a video game this whole time. Yeah. Her, her mom was actually feeding her just fine. She was comatose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, continuing backwards, uh, I believe that's my turn. Yep. People who bet on the games, they can quote-unquote sponsor competitors by paying apparently ridiculous amounts of money to drop like eight-ounce bottle of water from the sky while the people are fighting. And I really like the idea that people who are gambling on a game can, for a fee, 
pay to influence the way the game is being played. So, like, the host city could just charge – for the Olympics, you could just charge somebody a ton of money, you know, $3 million, and then when your competitor is up with the javelin, we will drop one of those Native American things that you put – an atlatl, right? We'll drop an atlatl from the sky, and you can, and you'll throw your javelin twice as far. But it costs you like four million dollars. Yeah, or like for five million dollars, you know, they'll blow up the Russian judge at figure skating. <laughs> <laughs> they'll firebomb him. Yet, <laughs> you're you're in a relay race, and your home country can pay twenty million dollars, and they'll drop uh, a turbo boost and a and a, a red shell for you. <laughs> Or the star, and some music starts playing, and you just start offing all of your companions. <laughs> Running through people and knocking them over. Perfect. I like it. Watch out. Hungry got a blue shell. Palau! But um cha. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Ezra, minor compliment. At one point, Katniss is comparing her, her chances against everyone else, and she's saying there are girls who know 20 different ways to kill you with a knife. Which, really, you know, after the first stabbing and slashing, made me think of a bunch of different ones, like... Like, they sell you up too many knives that you can't afford, so you can't really eat anymore. You know, <laughs> right. like it's like a cut code deal. <laughs> they or... sell you a mattress, but like the princess and the pea, they hide a hundred large knives in the mattress. Yeah, exactly. Or like, I don't know, maybe they just put you at the scene of a crime with a knife, and you, you know, get electrocuted later on in an electric chair. Yeah. Yeah. There's like lots of ways to kill you with the knives, and these girls are smart. When I, when I heard that, I was like, like I, when someone was like, I know, 50 ways to kill you with my pinky finger. I'm like, wow, that's impressive, because I can think of zero. <laughs> but with a knife, it's like, well, I could stab you there, or I could stab you in the head, or I could stab you in the foot, so you can't mo- Like, it's a knife. I could feed the knife to you over a course of a week. <laughs> You'd still be poisoned by the metals in it. Oh, she get Gabby back on. She'd probably have a nice pairing for that. <laughs> Chris, your turn. Last compliment. My sincere compliment to this book is that parts of it are totally badass. When Cadness is running away from Wall of Fire, that's pretty hardcore. Or just like, you know, like I, I'm not nearly as opposed to this fantasy world as Alex is, but just like people killing each other and they don't really shy away from it, which is kind of intense and makes me a little worried for the youth of our day. But well, I don't want to. I mean, a large part of how much I, I like this is going to be the ending because Ezra, don't say anything because you've already finished it. But uh, I mean, it matters a lot to me how this works, like how. Like, at first it was going so long describing these games and all the preliminary stuff. I was like, well, okay, great. Are they actually going to kill people now? Or is she going to, like, run away and the book is about her not fighting? All right, they're killing people. I want to know, you know, at the end, does she kill Peter Bread? Or the, <laughs> do they, like, run off together and not kill anybody? Like, yeah. how is she going to get out? Also, there's two more books. Oh, if he dies by a flamethrower, it's a pita milt. Wow. Toasted pita. Yeah. <laughs> All of those names are kind of like Star Trek The Next Generation character names, aren't they? Like <laughs> they, they really Peter Milak, whatever that name is. <laughs> is that the bartender on Deep Space Nine? I don't know. Uh, that's it's Quark. It's Quark. Yeah, Quark. Quark. yeah. yeah no, I, I know that's not who it is. Yeah. <laughs> I realize that's not No, I, I think you're right, Matt, because I, I think that was uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character on Next Generation. That would be yeah. Guinan. Yeah. See, how's it, how's it feel? Is that fun? <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation, now available on Netflix streaming. Oh my god, that's ruined my life. (laughs) 
All right, guys. So uh, that is it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in next week with episode 104, which will be the second half of this book. So if you got it from audiblepodcast.com slash read and weep, just, just listen to part two, and then you'll be done. And we will decide then and there if I liked it or not, because I'm the one withholding my judgment and everyone else is already judged. Of course, you can always go to readdistrict.com slash contact to get in touch with us. If you have a favorite recipe for rabbit that you'd like to share. Or a new, if you know a new way to kill someone with a knife. If you can think of more than 20 ways to kill someone with a knife, I'd like to see the end of your list. So send it to us. Uh, post that, actually post that on our Facebook page. Go to facebook.com slash readandweep and tell us how many ways you can think of to kill somebody with a killing device. Thanks as always, Chris and Ezra. Yeah. Yep. And uh, thank you so much for being here, Matt. Oh, thank you for having me. Matt, are you still uh, working on the uh, EP project? Oh, no, that, we stopped doing that a lot. <laughs> that, that was just soul-crushingly hard. Okay. Uh, do you have a <laughs> web project that you'd like to tell people about? No. <laughs> anything, anything you like. Is there, is there something that you're in favor of that you would like to tell people to get more of? Other than... I think you guys should check out Star Trek The Next Generation on Instant Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Look for the bartender PETA. He's great. Yeah, Peter Milak. My favorite character. All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much for being here, Matt. We really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, thank you for having me on. That is it. Goodbye. May the odds be forever in your favor. Forever in your favor.